Welcome to Southern Fried Fantasy, a podcast for readers and writers, where Southern authors talk about books set in the region they call home. Book lovers beware, your TBR pile is about to get taller than high cotton. Welcome back to another episode of Southern Fried Fantasy. I'm your host, Bob Magoo of Tales by Bob. And this week, I'm excited to have on Jay Morgan Woodall. Uh, I had the pleasure of uh, meeting Mr. Woodall at this author event that happened in uh, Montgomery. And uh, it, was a, it was a great, great little event. Uh, something like 85 authors, I think, were there. And uh, most of them were kind of tending more to the the romance side of things, but I was definitely there on the prowl looking for authors that would really fit this podcast. And I have to say, of all the authors there, uh, uh, you by far were the I feel like the most southern uh, most southern uh, person at this uh, at this event. <laughs> it must have been my accent. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. No. It, and also, you know, you're. Uh, your books really kind of play up the Southerness. Um, so how about to start us off? Why don't you just tell us a little bit about yourself and kind of what ties you to the South? Well, it's all I know, uh, Bob. Uh, that's, you know, I was, I was born and raised here. I've lived here all my life. Uh, I've never lived anywhere else. Uh, I, I, I'm not a world traveler. I've never been to Europe or Africa or anywhere else. Uh, uh, I mean, this, this is all I know. It's all I've ever lived. Uh, I've never lived, Lord, I've never lived 40 miles outside the Birmingham city limits. <laughs> so, yeah. you, you know, you write what you know, and this, this is what I know. This is all I know, you know. Yeah. I, I know Southern, you know, I know it forwards and backwards. Yeah. I, I think that really comes through in, in your books. So, um, uh, so I got to say, I was looking, I was looking through and, uh, most of the people that I've interviewed uh, so far and have kind of lined up, you know, it's urban fantasy, it's uh, maybe some paranormal romance, things, things like that, maybe a little horror. Um, you're going to be the first author on here uh, that's uh, that writes Southern sci-fi. Uh, I mean, you write other stuff, but you, you also have the uh, uh, Southern sci-fi series that was described as Dukes of Hazard meets Buck Rogers, which I yes, just, yes. I, I love that so much. So why don't you take a minute and uh, just tell us about all the books that you write. Uh, just, just give us the rundown. Well, that's okay. Uh, let me, I grew up, let me just give touch on that just a little bit. Uh, oh yeah. Okay. I grew up, I'm, I'm, I guess I'm dating myself. I grew up back in a in the seventies, my, uh, you know, my daddy was born and raised, lived just across state line, Tennessee, just across state line from Huntsville. Mm-hmm. Okay. Back in that time, Huntsville was, you know, just, it was the center of the space race. Oh, yeah. uh, you know, I don't know. I don't know how old you are or, or whatever. I'm not going to ask you, but you know, at that time, Huntsville was just kicking, you know, it's just right after the moon landing and all that stuff. And, and, uh, you know, we'd go up there on the weekends and my, this is how, is how crazy it was, you know, we'd go up there, spend the weekend and my grandmother's, like I said, that she lived just maybe five miles across the state line. And, you know, and my grand, my, my uncle and aunt worked at the arsenal, Redstone Arsenal. Oh yeah. So they were heavily involved in all this stuff going on. So as a child, you know, I dreamed of, of all that, being an astronaut, going to space and all that stuff, you know, because, you know, we'd go up there and they'd take us to the Space Flight Center and all that stuff. But I can remember, now this is how crazy it was, I can remember sitting on her, my grandma's front porch on Saturday night uh, listening to the crickets mm-hmm. and just, and we would listen to them test firing the rocket engines at Space Flight Center. And you oh, could wow. hear them all the way from Huntsville. You hear them firing off them engines. But there wasn't anything else to do on, 
on Saturday night in rural Tennessee, there wasn't nothing else to do but sit yeah. there on the porch and listen to the crickets and the rocket engine. That's how crazy it was. Wow. This was this was like the old South meeting the space age. Yeah, you know? no, that, that's that's fantastic. It, it was, but that's how that's how I got interested in all that stuff. But uh, you know, now this how crazy it was. Now thirty miles away, they were firing space. They were firing. They were getting ready to put people in space. I guess they were testing for the shuttle. I don't know. My grandmother didn't have indoor plumbing at that time. Yeah, uh, I mean, this was just uh, you know. Oh no, and you know that's still true today. Uh, I mean, to a degree, how, you know. And at the time, at that time in Huntsville, you could drive down Memorial Parkway, which is I think Highway Two Thirty One, and at that time, you could see a farmer plowing a cotton field. Yeah, right next to the <laughs> office building, right next to the office where they were doing research on who knows what, you know. Yeah, but it was just you know, and that just I was you know, but that was just the way it was, and that just that was amazing how. It was, like I said, it was old South meeting the space age, and it was, you know, it's not like that anymore. It's really grown, but that was what I grew up in, and I was just amazed by it. And, I, and you know, I wanted to, be, I was just a country kid that lived, you know, 30 miles outside Birmingham. Yeah. You know, that was my escape from, from you know, from the world, you know. I, yeah. I, just, I wanted to be an astronaut. I wanted to fly to the moon and all that, and, you know. Oh. And, you know, I, I think that's something that really gets, you know, like a, a big, the big point of this podcast is kind of trying to knock out some of the cliches, you know, that, you know, the yeah. South is all just backwoods, inbred, yada, yada, yada. But I mean, people forget, <laughs> you know, people forget that we wouldn't, we wouldn't have got to the moon if it wasn't for Huntsville, you know? Oh, no, no. Yeah. And there's, and there is still parts of the South probably is a little bit like that. And I grew up. And, you know, some of the places, I, and I write about a lot. Of, a lot of what I write about is, you know, I write a lot about, you know, talk about what I write. Uh, you know, I I write about a lot of people that I grew up with. Uh, you know, I base a lot of my characters on that, but uh, where I grew up at, around where I grew up at, and yeah, that's you know, a lot of it's country stuff, a lot of it's oh, yeah. rural stuff, and you know, uh, well, I know, can I, I can say me growing up. Uh, I had a somewhat similar experience. It wasn't as high tech, but uh, I lived uh, growing up close to the dirt track and by close to the dirt track, you know, it was, it was not like a mile away. It, it was miles away, yes. but, but man, those, <laughs> those, those cars get to roaring and man, you can hear it, you know, 10, 20, 30 miles away. It's so loud. And uh, yes. so I had kind of, you know, we weren't as high tech as uh, listening to rockets. We were listening to, you know, dirt track racing, but it was kind of a, you know, Saturday night that you'd hear it. You'd hear it clear as a bell. Oh, yeah. Oh, I can remember going to BIR back in the, back in the, when I was just a kid, watching Bob, Bobby House and Davey House and Red Farmer and all that racing back in those days. You know, people can't remember that stuff, but that, that's a time that's gone forever. It'd never be anymore, you know, and, but, you know, those were, great years you know mm -hmm. you know but those days are gone forever but anyway get back to what i like what you're talking about while i, while I write you know yeah. I just, I, it, you know everything i write is set in the south you know there's nothing i write is based in california or uh, yeah. new york city you know because yeah. yeah i've been to california twice never been to new york you know uh, i've occasionally gone out of south but not enough to, to, to you know i don't write about something going on in Canada because I don't know what's going on in Canada. I've never been yeah. up there. I've been to Toronto maybe once or twice, but you know, uh, you know, I don't know that. I don't know what, I don't, I don't know what, yeah, no, that's that not makes... my expertise, you know, but yeah. you know, I do know what goes on in the South. I do know what goes on in the country. I do know what goes on <clears throat> in the rural. I do know what people eat here. I do know what people think here, you know, and I, yeah. you know, that's, you know, I, I know it. I know the good and I know the bad, you know. Yeah. So yes, I, I and I enjoy writing about it. And you know, like I tell in my in talking about, I tell people, I, uh, <laughs> there's not a more colorful cast of characters to draw from than, than southern people. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, no, I can attest to that. I I've got some man, I've got some real characters in my family tree. We, uh, we, we joke, uh, I got a, I got an ancestor that was the first tax collector for Crenshaw County, Alabama. 
and oh, wow. uh, he had a he had a peg leg because he had lost it lost it uh, in the Civil War to a cannonball, and uh, he oh. he rode around with a, a roost with a rooster on his shoulder. <laughs> And and the, the the kind of the joke was peg leg rooster on his shoulder tax collector he was a he was Crenshaw County's first pirate. <laughs> <laughs> now that sounds like a colorful character right there. Now oh yeah, but I mean th- those characters are everywhere. You know that, that was that was not unique to my family tree. You know those 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 folks are all over the South. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Well, it, you know it's part of South being you know South prides itself on individuality and Lord. We got the individuals down here. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, we do. Yeah, we do. So, uh, so you've got you've got your your Southern sci-fi series. Um, what else? Uh, you've got, you've got Southern born, Southern bled, which is a yep. vampire. vampire tale. Yeah. Yes. Oh yes. Uh, yeah, it's <clears throat> that was actually my first book I ever wrote. Actually, I wrote it back when. Oh Lord, I wrote it back when I was in my twenties, actually, and yeah. uh, I had. Oh, I've always loved vampires. Uh, yeah. To me, they're 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 my most favorite uh, supernatural creature. You yeah. know, they're, they're you know they're they're sexy, they're seductive, they you know they're uh, you know they're just something about them. You know, yeah, and uh, you know. There's some, you know, they're suave, sophisticated to me, you know, anyway. But I grew yeah. up on the Bram Stoker type vampire, you know. I'm not big into the, the new type vampires, you know. But, uh, and I actually, actually, I sat down and wrote it. Uh, I lived up where I grew up. And at that time, I was living in a 14 foot mobile, mobile home. Uh, yeah. And I wrote it in a three spring. Uh, excuse me three ring spiral notebook by uh like you like kids take to school yeah and it's actually filled out three of them and then i typed it out on an old electric typewriter how now how long ago that was <laughs> right. i hate to tell you yeah but uh and uh sent it off several publishers back that time they were no such thing as indie publishing or self-publishing anything right. like that and of course they got rejected they're like nobody wants to hear about those southern vampires you know? <laughs> of course a few years later sookie Stackhouse, and all that stuff came oh out. yeah Bill Compton, all that southern you know look. but you know it was just a you know it's a little me, ahead it, of his time it was a little ahead of his time but also it was to me it was different because it was, I based it on the, where I lived and I used a lot of the characters based on people I grew up with, worked with and was around. And it was different because it was just like, you know, what if vampires come to your small town and how would you handle it? Because in the, in the book, these characters, uh, they just had to defend for themselves. There's no Van Helsing coming to save them. Yeah. You know, Chuck Norris wasn't coming in there to kick ass. Yeah. Uh, you know, they just had to defend for themselves and make do figure it all out for themselves. It's just like just like it would be in real life if something happened like it. You know, there was there was no superheroes coming to save them. These were just ordinary, everyday people. Uh, no super. There were no secret agents coming. No. No. Uh, you know, no help yeah. coming. They just, they just, and they figured it out for themselves and did what they had to do. Yeah. And, and that's just the way it would, and to me, that'd be the way it would be in real life if such a thing existed. And so to me, that's a little bit different. That's, that's yeah. to me, was what makes it different. Well, and I, you touch on, uh, I was reading the, the blurb on it, and, you know, touches on that whole uh, peaking before you're uh, peaking by 18, you know, and being the, a football yes. player that's all you all you ever have to hang your hat on for the rest of your life and man have i known yes. some people that that is i knew a lot of people that happened too yeah no they they hit 17 and if they could have locked locked their life in there they'd have never changed the thing um and so i i love i love reading that kind of stuff because it's so it's so real i know football's big all across america but in the south it's oh, it's it's religion you know <laughs> you got church yes. on sunday but you got high school church on friday and college church on saturday you know 
Um, it 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 is. I, I mean, you know, you can't. You know, you have a fundraiser at the school. It gets a hundred people, but you have a football game at the school. You get two, three hundred people come out. You know that that's what that's what folks really uh, really care about um, for good and well, ill. That that's based on some real life stuff too. You know, some people that couldn't cope with life after high school. You know, yeah. they they basically, like I say, they peaked in high school, and after high school, they just, you know, there was. You know, they were big, big fish in little ponds. And after high school, they found out that there was yeah. a big wide world after after that. Yeah. Uh, nobody really cared if they scored 40 touchdowns their senior year in high school. You know? No. No. And, uh, and that, it's, 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 but that's the real world, and they it couldn't is. cope with it. Yeah. You know. And I think it's, you know, it's, it's those touches of realism like that is what really – you, you can write really cool, you know, fantastical elements, but if there's not something grounding them in reality, it, it loses me. Some people may like it, but I, I like, I like the fantasy to have a little bit of grounding to it. So it's, it's bringing in stuff like that, that makes the world feel real. And so then if the world to me feels real, then you can get away with a lot more <laughs> fantastical elements because it's, it's got that grounding. To me, that's a lot. That's what makes that book so, so, so successful is the realism in it. it is a fantasy book but there's a lot of realism drawn from uh the the father who winning is everything i had yeah. a friend of mine and his father was just like it it winning was everything for him you know whatever whatever team he played on he made sure he was a coach of that team so his son could be the star of it and Oh, yeah, yeah. I, watched it, I watched that kid grow up. By the time he got to high school, he was burnt out. He was sick of, of it because his dad drove him so hard. Oh, yeah. You know, you know and I know people, we've seen people like that. And, oh, yeah. You, you see him, you know, they were the, I, I, I know, you know, in my own life, know a guy who was, you know, high school baseball. That was the peak of his yeah. life. And then uh, he's now uh, been kicked out of kids. Uh, you know, he comes on coaching these little league teams and keeps getting kicked out uh, of the games because he can't, you know, he can't, it's like, man, it's not that serious. You know, it's a, it's an eight-year-old, eight-year-old, uh, you know, football or a uh, baseball game. It's not the end of the world if they, you know, <laughs> if it's coach pit softball. You don't have to start yelling and screaming, you know. I, I think every, I think every, I think every, even if it's fancy, the more that you, the more that people can read and say, "Oh, wow, I can relate to that," or "I know somebody that, that that's like that." I think the more realistic it is, the more it relates to people. More people can say, "Yeah, I," you know, yeah. it, that's I can do. I I, I, uh, I can relate with that. You know, yeah. I think the more relatable book is, the more they want to read it. Yeah, no, I, I know that's true for me. So, I want to ask. Uh, what what are some elements of Southern culture that you really wanted to to showcase here? I know a lot of folks really kind of they they steer into like the hospitality, you know, Southern hospitality. Um, but I feel like uh, just from what you're telling, I feel like that individual, you know, the individuality is kind of what you're you're really showing here. Um, but you may have you know something else that you were really trying to trying to get across. Uh, yeah, a lot of uh, the individuality is one thing. Yeah. Uh, I do sometimes, a lot of times, I almost steer to the uh, less, uh, I, I, won't, I won't say senior side, but uh, the moonshine. I, uh, oh, yeah. I do, I do focus on a lot of stuff on uh, moonshining. I was, you know, yeah. uh, I've always been interested in the moonshining part of the, the South. Uh, well, I saw you, you've got the the book uh, Little Red that's about Little Red, moonshine. Yes, yes. Yeah, uh, I, that seems to be my most popular book. I don't know why. I, I never, uh, but it, it, it's hey, look, not people, my people, most popular book, but everybody seems to love it. But it's <laughs> it's it's set in the it's Depression era Appalachians in Tennessee. Uh, it's based on actually based on the story of Little Red Riding Hood, uh, and she it's. This basically a remake of that fairy tale where she belongs to a family of moonshiners. 
I love that so much. I love uh, when people take those old fairy tales and kind of put a, I realize the depression's not exactly modern, but a, a more modern spin on it. Like I, I love that kind of stuff so much. <laughs> but it turned out really well. I, people said, you need to redo a fairy tale. Redo, and I'm like, uh, everybody's doing it. At the time, everybody was redoing fairy tales. And I'm like, yeah. Yeah. everybody's redoing But I, I said, okay, but it turned out really well. I was real pleased with it when I got through with it with it but i was i was kind of hesitant to do it but everybody loved it and i was like well you know what this ain't too bad you know yeah oh uh, yeah it's got you know sometimes it's you know it's surprising what what turns out when you start writing but i you know that's one of the things i've always you know the haints of hickory holler uh, another one where you know it's basically based on uh Guy comes home, he's been away, he comes back to the family. His family basically is a small-time crime family. Uh, mm. who's, uh, base, it's set in the 90s, and they're basically going through a transition. They're going from uh, Old South to New South, uh, and they're being drugged, kicking and screaming into the new world. They were bootleggers and moonshiners and yeah. now they're transitioning into uh marijuana and crystal meth, you know. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's not you know that's not part of South we won't talk about, but that's that's the real I, world. No, that know? is that is one hundred percent the South I talk about. Uh my yeah. series is about a redneck wizard with a meth addiction, you know? Yeah. And and that's the thing. Like uh, I mean meth I know meth hit everywhere hard, but man, there's some places down here it just plum ruined, you know. Well, it, it's why I tell people South ain't always still magnolias and uh, sweet home Alabama like Reese Witherspoon, you know. It's, yeah. that's, that's that's a facade, you know. Yeah, we have our problems, and you know, it's sometimes that's the way it is. But well, and that friction that that the, the problems is where the it, the interesting stories lie. You know, if everything was just prim and proper and still magnolias you know that that's not an interesting story at least not to me not you know, to me either no and so like, mean, you know we have you know the the dixie mafia down here um, that's another thing i touched on and spend the heights of the hickory hollers yeah mafia. yeah and that that there i mean it's a real thing uh to to this day but it does not get the press of the the italian mafia or the irish mob or anything like that but it it's very real. Um, it, it's out there. I was just told an interesting story uh, by my boss where uh, his family uh, basically inherited a bunch of land from like a great uncle or something like that. And it turns out he, he was Dixie Mafia and they were uh-huh. using all this land to uh, basically launder money. And uh-huh. they were they were they were unable to claim the land <laughs> because if they claimed the <laughs> land. It would have been like proceeds of illegal yada yada, and so they ended up just, you know, not not really claiming it. The details were kind of hazy there, but um, they basically the you know the state seized it all and auctioned it off, and uh, it's plots of land all over Montgomery. You know, uh, oh wow, the, the the skate park downtown was some of that land uh <laughs> that was once used by the dixie mafia to launder money <laughs> well I, I, so i mean I, it, it's very real and very around i've been writing the book for years i don't know if i'll ever finish or not because every time i get to write it i go to this dark place but i've been writing a book of years about uh based on basically it's based on the phoenix city uh, yes. what happened in phoenix city uh, a lot of people may not even you know, a lot of people don't even know what happened in phoenix city no uh, no I've, I've got friends who live there who've told me stories uh but I, I've, I've I said I ride on it and, and I ride on the wild and I ride on wise. But uh, it's a very dark book and I don't know if I if and when I start writing it I get it it's, I go really dark on it. And, yeah. For, and for those who don't know, the the Dixie Mafia basically ran Phoenix City for oh yes for, for years. decades. For years. And and, but, uh, and, they're, and they're still around, according to you know they don't have the the hold on the city like they once did, but they're still no. they're still there. <laughs> Actually, I think the ones they ran out went up to uh, went up to Tennessee, uh, Mississippi State Line, and I think that's where they ran the Buford Pusser, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, but uh, yeah, that's that's a book, and one day I hope to finish it. But 
uh, I can't ride on it very long because if I do, but just, you know, when you we go to write and you, you, you get into character, you get into the books and it's when you, you know, uh, it's a very violent, very dark world when you get into that yeah. kind of stuff. And, you know, it, it tends to, to change you some. So, you yeah, know, I get it, you know, so I don't know if I'll ever finish or not, but I would love to one day. Yeah. I'm, I'm actually book. I'm, Book four of mine is about to go to the editor, but book I've got part of book six already written and it, it features a little bit of the Dixie mafia just kind of on the periphery for the first time. And, uh, cause it's, it's a topic that's always fascinated me. Um, haven't like, like I said, I've never known anyone directly that was really adjacent, but I've, I've known enough people that, you know, have been affected by it. That it's, it's definitely something that's really caught my interest. Um, and, and like, and like we said, I mean, that it's that friction, those, those, those pain points is where the, where the real interesting stories lie. Oh yeah. Well, when I'm not, when I like to read, I, that one of my favorite reads is I love true crime. That's my, yeah. my favorite thing to read. So, well, I, I saw that you like to read Wilbur Smith and, uh, uh do, you, do you know about Wilbur Smith? I, I do. My dad had, awesome. had all his books, I think. And, oh my uh, gosh. Yeah, and so I've I've never met anyone else. I'm 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 37, and I don't know that by the time I was old enough to read those books, I don't know that Wilbur Smith was even still writing. Um, he may have been, I don't know, but he, I think uh, he. I don't know if he's still writing now. He got he's got to be in the, if he's still alive. He's got to be a hundred. But yeah, oh my God, let me tell you about Wilbur Smith. Uh, <laughs> Wilbur Smith basically taught me the birds and the bees, man. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I was probably like it. eleven or twelve, and this my, my next my neighbor gave gave me this book for Christmas, and I don't know what he thought he was giving me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think it had a picture of a, you know, back at that time I was all big in the army and stuff and military yeah. stuff, and I think he thought he was giving me a military book to read, which it wasn't. Yeah, uh, <laughs> but yeah, no, I, I read the the ones that the the ones I remember were the the ones in South Africa. Yes, this one was uh, South Africa. Yes, yeah. Sparrow Files was the book. Yes, yeah, 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 yeah. 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 And it kind of follows Andy, that. Mark Andes, yes. Yeah, it follows that that family over like a few generations. Yes. And, yeah, no, I read all I read all those growing up. Oh and my yet, gosh! And yeah. I basically he taught me the birds and the bees because I was like, oh my gosh, well, that's <laughs> yeah. what they do. That's how you do it. Yeah, yeah, they oh, they, wow. they got pretty they got pretty racy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, but see, that's what I loved about his books because. His books defined all genres. He would cover it was romance, it was biz adventure, it was a little bit of yeah. military stuff. It covered oh, yeah. everything. He was just he would just take you everywhere, and it was a grand adventure. I didn't even yeah. know what's when I got that book. I didn't even know there was a place called South Africa. I was like, "Where is this happening at? Yeah. <laughs> you know, where is this place? I is this even exist on this planet? Yeah, you know." But I was like, "Gosh, money!" But he was probably my inspiration for wanting to write. I was like, this guy just, he just built this whole universe. It's a great adventure. Yeah. Wow. Well, so I know my, uh, uh, my dad worked in Africa a few times. He was in the oil industry and, uh, he worked there a few times. So he was always really interested in like African culture and stuff like that. Um, so the Wilbur Smith books, I think, came out of that. And then just, you know, he, he was big into photography. So he's always buying like art books about Africa and stuff like that. And uh, So it, it definitely imparted that onto me. And so, uh, you know, I write some steampunk stuff. And uh, oh, I've I love kinda, steampunk. Yeah, I saw you. I saw you're a big diesel punk fan. So, um, yeah. And so and so I, I've kind of, you know, I've been building my own kind of steampunk world that's kind of a you know it's based on based on our world but with some fantasy races and whatnot and i i definitely have a uh a, a kind of an african type continent that you know those books by wilbur smith are definitely an influence there just you know it's that that's partly what gave me my love for you know the continent so you know i've kind of grown out from there and found a bunch of other stuff but that that was where it started for me you know man i can't believe i found somebody else that actually liked wilbur smith yeah i mentioned <laughs> wilbur smith everybody go who wilbur smith well like, and you know i haven't man. i haven't read one of his books in probably 20 years um 
but I need to, I need to get them out. You know, uh, they were all at my dad's house. I don't know where they're at now, but, uh, I'm sure I could find one easy enough. Uh, go back and give them another, give them another read through. Wilbur Smith and Robert R. McCammon. Those two probably influenced me more than anybody. In uh, the early 90s, I bought the boys, about Boys Life. I don't know if you ever read Boys Life by uh-uh. Robert R. McCammon. He's actually an Alabama writer. Yeah. I, I want to say I've read, he, I think he wrote a book that was like a uh, kind of. Well, I'd have to, I'd have to look at my Goodreads to see what it was. Um, but I think, I think I read a McCammon book, but it wasn't, it wasn't that. Um, was it a, like a post-apocalyptic book? No, it was, uh, let, let me just, I'll, I'll, you can keep talking and I'll, I'll be looking at Goodreads he, in the he background. Wrote, he, wrote, he wrote Swan Song. I think it was his biggest book. It was a post-apocalyptic book. Yeah. He wrote a vampire book and a werewolf book. Uh, but yeah, I, I bought I bought Boys Life, and that was oh my gosh, that was one of the best reads I've read. I probably have gone back and read it three or four times, and it was just based on a on this kid growing up in small town Alabama, and I've related to it so much. I mean, it was just uh, yeah. it was it was, it was speaks the Nightbird. Oh yes, yes, yeah. Kind I haven't of read a, that one, but I've, I've heard of it. Yeah, it's but, it's kind of a like a witchcraft kind of. I really love yeah. stuff that's set in like uh, pre-revolution type stuff, and so this ah. is like takes place in the Carolinas, sixteen ninety nine. Yeah. So yeah, so that's the only one of his I've read, but it was really good. And apparently, it's the first. I didn't realize it's the first in a series. I'm gonna have to look look into you, the if, rest of those. If you want to read a good read, read read Boy's Life. That is an amazing read. Yeah, especially if you grew up in Alabama. Yeah. Oh my gosh. But him and Wilbur Smith were probably the two that had most influence on me as a, as a writer. Uh, that okay. they just they were probably if I had to list two of my inspirations, those two were most definitely um, would be a two on my Mount Rushmore of writers. Yeah. yeah. Okay. All right. Um. So I, I want to touch on a little bit. So. Um, about what kind of supernatural creatures you you use, and if there's any kind of specific to southern folklore that you might. I, so you got a vampire, I know. Uh, um, I don't uh, know if I, anybody any specific ones to southern folklore. Uh, you know, I, I do the haints, which yeah. are you know most people don't read about every day nowadays. People just like a haint, a haint. They say haint as a ghost. You yeah. know, that's a southern term for a ghost. You know, but actually. If you look back, do your background in the South, Haint started out. Haint was a vengeful spirit looking mm-hmm. for uh, revenge, who had a score to settle. You know, if it okay. and you know, if you do, more, you know, have you ever heard the term Haint blue? I have, yeah. It's a it's and, a real particular days, shade of blue. Yes, in the old days, people used to paint their porch ceiling what they called Haint blue to protect yeah. yourself from these spirits who were been on getting even with some folks so <laughs> i would guess if you had to say anyone that was any particular one that was probably specific to some folklore, folklore it would be uh be the haint yeah in yeah. haints of hickory holler because she was dead set on getting her revenge and she didn't get her revenge <laughs> more yeah. Lord, so. but uh i don't know if anyone specific to yeah no know, that, uh, that, that's fine there's there's no there's, yeah, no, there's there's no wrong answers here you know uh yeah we're just trying I, to get I a feel say, uh, I, I can't just come out and say anyone really is just southern other no. than height you know i do the shape shift and the werewolves and, and little red yeah now uh, yeah. you know, the, the the succubus and the devil in the detail uh-huh. but now they're a real southern yeah. Let's say Southern specific. Uh, well, but I mean, it's, you know, that's part of it though. It doesn't have to be Southern specific, you know, I think, because obviously everyone can't write. <laughs> everyone yeah. can't write. Just, but just bringing, it's bringing, I, I think a lot of what's fun is saying, let's, let's bring in these, you know, creatures of European folklore and drop them in the deep South and see what happens. You know, well, that, I think, that's I think fascinating. Most, most of what we, most of what we, uh, what we all about most of our superstition began in Europe or yeah. Africa, yeah. you know, 
and they were brought most of what we believe was imported from somewhere else. Yeah. You know, and we just took them and put our spin on them. But, yeah. you know, most of what we, most of everything that we believe was, was imported from somewhere else anyway. So, you yeah. know. Oh, definitely. Definitely. So the, the first half of the podcast, I kind of, it's geared more to the readers and this back half, I kind of gear it more towards the writers. So okay. I, I kind of want to dive in to your process a little bit. So sure. how are you more of a plotter? Are you more of a, do you just, do you just wing it? Like, how do you, oh, what's your process? That's easy. That's an easy question. I just wing it. I don't, yeah. I, I don't do outlines. I don't, you know, I just write it as it goes. A lot of yeah. times I'll, I'll skip around, uh, you know, I'll write, okay. Uh, this is, this is on my mind. So I'll write this chapter right here. And yeah. it might be, it might be the ending of the book. You know. I, I am always fascinated when I meet people who can do that. I can't. Uh, it, I, I like. I would love to be able to do to do that. I, I, I would love I, to be able to be organized. To be <laughs> <laughs> well, I think I think we'd all like that. Uh, <laughs> we could all probably I, I, use to be a little more organized. I admire those people. <laughs> it, yeah, no, but it, it it's always to me people who can can jump around like that. I'm always so impressed because, like me, I, I have to to keep it straight in my head, I have to kind of write it as I go, you know? Uh, but I definitely, I, I mean, obviously your system works for you. It works well. So, I mean, there's definitely nothing wrong with it. It's just, it's just one of those, it's, to me, it's always interesting how, you know, we're all, we're all producing the same thing, but we all get about, get there in such a different way. You know, you know, I'm usually, you know, I'm old school. I write, you know, I, I don't write, I write it. Oh, I sit down at the PC. I write it desktop. Yeah. And, uh, I have to do, you know, I'm always there and I have to do, but you know, I'm doing my research. You know, I'm, I'll be writing a while and then, I, Oh, I got, I got to fact check this. I got to look this up right quick, you know? And a lot of times I'll get to doing that. And the next thing you know, I'm chasing rabbits, you know, oh, like, man. Oh, I got, I got to get back to writing. Yeah. Uh, you know, no, you, you go to go look up one little thing yes. and then two hours right. later, you're reading articles on Wikipedia about airplane. Exactly. <laughs> and I'm a, I'm a Wikipedia file too. So, oh yeah. They make know, it, they just make it too easy to get distracted on there. Click, 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 click. Wikipedia ain't nothing but clickbait, you know? Yeah. Oh but yeah. A lot of times I'll be right. I'll be thinking about something to write. I'll be at work. I'll be driving down the road and I'm like, Oh, Oh, Oh. And I'm like, and I've got no, no pen handy, no piece yeah. of paper handy to write this down. I'm like, if I, I'm going to forget this, if I don't, oh, and, and, you know, the best, it seemed like the best inspirations hit me at the worst times. Yeah. Always. I, mean, I always be driving down the road or I'm at work or I'm falling asleep. And a lot of, you know, a lot of times my, my stories are, I'll dream them. You know, some of my yeah. best stories I've dreamed up. I wake up morning, oh, that'd be a great story. The Hanks and Hickory Holler came to me in a dream. Yeah. You know, and I, I woke up and said, oh my God, there's a story there. Yeah. So, you know, but yeah, I I don't do outlines. I don't sit down and write notes. To, you know, I just keep it all in my head. And like yeah. I said, you know, whatever part comes to me, I'll write it, you know, and I'll, you know, I'll skip around. Sometimes I'll write the middle of the book and sometimes I'll write the end of the book and then I'll just come back and fill it all in later as it comes. Yeah. And of course it'll go through three or four, you know, I'll write the book out and then I'll come back and I'll go back over it and I'll fill in gaps and I'll redo this part and I'll add this in here or there. And, you yeah. know, what I call smoothing out the rough edges, you know, and it'll go through four or five, rewrites before i'm happy with it and then i'll yeah. go send, send it to the editor and she'll send it back and then i'll rewrite it again and send it back to her and you yeah. know she'll say, eh, you know but, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I, I got a, i got a question for you when you when you do a round of edits would you say that you add more in or take more out uh usually add more okay so all right so that was something that i had never really thought about but as i was doing my edits on on book four here um someone else had commented about uh you know how much they were taking out having to rewrite and this that and the other on, on their on their book and i was like man now that i think about it like for every word i end up taking out i 
I'd probably add in four, you know? Yeah. Um, I, yeah. And, and so it's, it's, it's something I've started like, is now that's on my radar, I started kind of asking folks like, are you, and I, I kind of, I like to think that I kind of write more of a sparse style sometimes. And so for me, it's that first draft is really just getting the idea down and then it's coming back in and kind of, you know, spicing up a little bit, you know, and a little juice to it. Uh, I remember when I worked the first time I set off, uh, like a fox on a run to the editor. Uh, she read, she read about the first three chapters, Romeo Joseph. I've read three chapters. I really don't know. I don't have a clue what this story is about. Yeah. I said, okay. It really hurt my feelings. I was just living. I said, well, send it back to me. I was a murderer. <laughs> so yeah. I rewrote re- the whole three first three chapters. I was so mad. But actually, you know, she was right. It turned out pretty good, actually. But I, I added a bunch to it and all. But, you know, she was right. It, it made yeah. re- rewrote, and I rewrote it. So, well, know, that's it the thing, you know. Feelings, but it was, you know, it was good constructive criticism. Yeah, that's what you need, you know, and that that's the thing is that that's why you hire an editor, you know, is yes, good they, answer. It's, a, it's a totally different skill set, you know. And I, I've, I, I've had people tell me, you write too much and you write too much background stuff. You, you, you add too much history about the place that you're writing about. I'm like, that's just me. I want the yeah. reader to understand where I'm where they're at, what this is all about, you know, and if if it's too much, then, you know, I'm sorry, but. You know, yeah. people say I like to paint a picture. Well, yes, that's what I like to. I like to paint a picture. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing is, not you know, every book is not going to appeal to every person. You know, so no, but if you're not. that kind of person that enjoys the history of a thing, I mean that your books are catering straight to that. You know, I've had some people tell me so I like to, you know, you 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 put too much in your books. You, I want a picture. I want to paint my own picture in my own head. You you do that for me, and I don't like that. I'm sorry, maybe my books ain't for you. Yeah, you know, no, that, that's it. Say, say, uh, you know, you uh, you paint. I can see it perfectly the way you pictured. I, I like that. So, yeah, some yeah. people love it, some people don't. But you can't please everybody. Exactly, exactly. And that's, you know, I, I got given a great piece of advice uh, when I was first launching my series. Uh, that you know, I was worried. He's like, man, you know, what if I start getting some terrible reviews? Am, am I going to have a come apart here? And, uh, the, the, the therapist told me, she was like, look, those reviews have nothing to do with you and everything to do with the person writing it. You know, no, it's their, their, they're bringing their history. What, you know, they could have been grumpy that day. You know, it has nothing to do with you. You just happen to be an outlet for them to express their opinion on something. And it just happened to be you. It could have been anything, you know? So. I have That's learned if they if they if they give you a bad review, I just don't even worry it because you know yeah. if, if you do it's 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 you know like I say it's may have nothing to do with you, but yeah. you know it's not going to change how I write anyway. Right. Yeah. So it's going to have no bearing. Well, you know there there are reviews that you need to pay attention to. You know if they say oh well this you know there were just a ton of grammatical mistakes and you know one well, person yeah. saying that. One person saying that you can kind of, you don't know what their, their grammar skill is, but you know, you start getting four and five reviews that are saying, Oh, well, this man, you know, this guy's never heard of a comma. Well, then you start paying attention, but you know, someone just saying, you know, I didn't like how much description he put in. Well, that's just personal taste. That's not, that's not a reflection on your writing. That's their, their personal opinion, you know, and that has nothing to do with your, your skill and your craft. So just take that with a grain of salt. You know, reviews, if somebody's going to set nitpick over commas and all that, I'm, you know, okay, good for you. Yeah. Yeah. You, know, you, you got a lot more free time than I do. <laughs> now, I'm, I'm going to pay more attention to a review that, that, that focuses on the story or the plot or something like that. That's what I'm going to pay attention to. You know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's, that's to me, that's, that's the crux of the matter right there. Mm-hmm. So um, let's say that there's someone listening to this that, you know, maybe they're working on their first book and they're just kind of struggling, you know, uh, what, what would be your piece of advice that you would give someone like that? Like what's your best writing? Advice? Oh, Lord. 
if you want to get into this stuff, do it because you love it. Don't do it Ooh, because you plan on if you go if you plan on getting rich or getting famous, stop right now. Because yeah, it's not gonna happen. Uh, it's just in this day and age with the way it is right now, it, it's gotta be something you love. Yeah. No, I think that's I, mean, I think that's fantastic advice. Do uh, like there's, there's you ain't you ain't going to be Stephen King out here doing it. Uh, everybody's everybody's an author now, and everybody's doing it. You know, uh, well, what you have to sell your books for on Amazon? Uh, yeah, uh, it's a it's a dog eat dog thing. And, yeah, you know, it's just it's just yeah. hard. It's yeah. just hard unless you well, unless you look up get a get a get a tr- traditional book publishing deal, you know, and that's going to be hard to do. Yeah, uh, you better do it because you love it. You better love it because if not, you're going to be disappointed. You're going to, you know, oh, yeah. it's going to be a it's going to be a heartbreak experience. You know, I you know, I've been doing it for five years and I've had some highs and lows and. Uh, I get disappointed sometimes. I'm gonna quit this stuff. I just I'm tired of it, and you know. Uh, but in the end, I, I know I'm not because I love writing. You know, yeah. it's, and, it's uh, that love that's what's going to get you through the down times. You know, oh, if yeah. you don't have yeah. if you don't have that love, then yeah, you're going to get real down on yourself, and you're going to quit. You know, exactly. I, I mean, last year I went through a divorce last year, uh, and it was it was rough and. Uh, I I struggled, you know. Was, you know, I had a lot of personal stuff going on. Yeah. I struggled a bit, and I almost I like, you know, I'm about tired of this. And uh, it was tough, man. I almost I almost hung it up, but you know, like you know, if I if I do, what am I going to do with myself? <laughs> right, uh, right. That's about the only thing I had going for me. But, you know, well, so. I, I think about that sometimes, you know, like I, I'm a really busy guy, you know, Oh yeah. Uh, between the writing and podcasting and I do this nonprofit and stuff like that. And I just, some, some days I just, you know, it gets a week where I've just been slammed and it's come to come to the weekend. I just want to relax, but I got too much to do. And I just sometimes think to myself like, man, you know, I, well, but what would I do if I, you know, if I, if I quit, you know, and, and I can't, you know, it's like, I guess play video games, maybe watch TV, but like, that's good in small doses, but like, it just doesn't, it doesn't fulfill me. You know, some people that's, you know, that's all they want out of life is they just want to be able to relax with their family, watch some TV, you know, do something like that. But and that's, that's I, great. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. There's nothing, there's nothing wrong with that, but it, that's not what fulfills me as a person. Right. So I, I think I'd just be miserable. I started writing because, you know, that, I think back to the re- very reason I started writing was because all my life I had all these stories in my head and I had no way to get them out. I had no way yeah. to, no avenue to uh, put them out there for, and I like, man, I, if I could just get these out for other people, I would just, if I, I just, I don't want to be rich. I don't want to be famous. I just want people to read my stories. And yeah. finally, you know, they come out with self-publishing, indie publishing, and I have you now an outlet for for my writing. Yeah, and you know that's the main thing, you know. But yeah, it, I think to myself, what would I do, and would I be happy? And I realized, no, I would not be happy because yeah. I still got stories in my head I, I need to get out, you know. Yeah, and you know, and I'm not like the- one of these writers that. You know, some of these writers can churn out a book a month. I can't do that. Yeah, you know, I'm I'm a little more picky about what I write, and uh, yeah. Plus, well, I don't you, have. I work a job where involves a lot of overtime at times, so you know, I write when I can, and and I don't feel pressured to have to put out. You know, but I'm, you know, and you that's know. that's one of the real perks of indie. You know, just you know, indie yes. publishing, like it's you work at your own pace. You know, especially if you if you get in that mindset. Like I always tell people, you got to figure out what success looks like for you. If success for you looks like being Stephen King, I'm sorry, you're going to be disappointed. I hate to break it to you. But (laughs) if like, for me, like I define success as I want to do panels at dragon con. Like to me, that is success for me. And I want to make enough money doing this that I can use it to supplement. So I can go traveling. You know, if I get some vacation time, you know, I've built up enough money in the, in the, in the tells by Bob bank account that I can, you know, take it and go to Jamaica for the 
for the week or something, you know, like that's, that's success to me. You know, I'm not trying to quit my day job and do this full time. It'd be nice, but that's not success. Success is I get to do panels at dragon con and I get to go on nice vacations. That's, that's all I'm shooting for. And because of that, I don't, you know, some of these people who are putting out like a book a month, you know, they're doing it because they're, they're trying to do this for a living and that that's what success is to them. And you know what? More power to them. That's stressful. And that my definition stressful. of success does not involve that level of stress. <laughs> I, I, I don't see how they do it. And like you said, that has got to be stressful. I, yeah. I just don't see how they, they do it. I, I don't say I hold up to that kind of pace. Yeah. Uh, well, and here's the thing. I think, I think it's going to be interesting to see. Cause like the, you know, the, the I think it's, it's, 20 bucks to 50 K that whole dynamic. Um, the people that are just really cranking out these books, it's, um, it's still a fairly new phenomenon and I will be interested to see how this plays out over the next decade or two, you know? Yeah. I'm, um, I'm, I, I am too. I'm anxious to see it myself. Cause I, I just, I think the golden age of, of, of indie publishing is probably pass us by and we're probably yeah. going to settle into where it's, it's, it's not going to be, it's, it's going to be more of the, the shine is gone from it. Yeah. Well, it, here's I, the it's thing. It's going to be Amazon, more of a, of a grind here. From yeah. that, from here Am, Amazon is never going to change things in no. favor of the author. They're always going to change things in favor of themselves. I of mean, course. that's just the day of it. It's only ever going to get worse for authors. Oh, um, yes, of course. So I, uh, I, I think that's just reality. Like that, that said, I don't necessarily think it's going to get like dramatically different in, in the near term, but in the long term, who knows what, you know, Amazon, they could decide, you know, in five years that, you know what, we're not going to do uh, uh, Kindle Unlimited anymore. You know, they, they could just be like, you know what, this isn't, you know, it's not making us enough money. So we're just done with it, you know? And then, the only you reason, know, the only reason that, they had to be making some off of it or they wouldn't be doing it now. So, oh yeah. That's the yeah. thing. They're making something, but you know, you get, you know, that's the thing. Uh, I, I think about like Google and uh, like Apple, Google's real bad about it. You know, they'll, they'll come out with this product and um, basically because it's not making like a hundred million dollars, they'll just drop it. Cause yeah. it's like, they would rather take those people and go put them on a different idea. They could get them to a hundred million dollars, you know? Right. And so when you, when you start dealing with these, you know, you know, trillion dollar businesses, I mean, if KDP's making them, you know, $20 million a year, I don't know what it makes them, you know, but it, you never know when their accountants are going to be like, you know what, we'd be better off. If we just took all these people and put them working customer service. So let's just and- close it down. You know, and you the never thing know. About this is, is we've all we've all grown. You know, it, it's, we're all like drug ass. We all got addicted to, to Amazon, but that's all we use. That's all we yeah. know. And if they drop, yeah. if they do shut down, we're we're all going to be scrambling. What are we going to do now? Well, and you, you know, another thing that you know that there's been rumblings for for years now about these big tech companies getting you know antitrust getting broke up. You know, because yeah. basically four companies run America at this point. Um, and you know, if Amazon got broke up, you know, and like the book side of things got split off and it didn't have the rest of Amazon backing it up, who knows what they might do. You know, they, you never know. That's that at the end of the day, the point is you never know, but likely for certain we'll be the ones suffering. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That, that, that's the real takeaway is normally if anyone's going to get screwed over, it's going to be the author. So (laughs) it's going to be us. It's going to be the little man. Yeah. So, all right. Well, let's, uh, so I have a background. Uh, I got my master's in music industry and I love music. It's my, my kind of my other great passion, um, considering I can't, you know, play an instrument or anything. Um, but I, uh, I, I love to ask authors or when you write, do you listen to anything? Do you listen to music? Do you do like Absolutely. white noise? Yeah. Absolutely. What kind of music do you listen to? Whatever, yeah. whatever I'm writing, whatever song. You know, when I'm writing certain songs that hit remind me, you know, I'll be listening, I'll be writing, I'll say, oh, this song, you know, that song reminds me of this book. And I'll make actually make a playlist of yeah. you know, songs that you know will you know I'll listen to that I think relate to that book or relate to the theme of that book, you mm-hmm. know. Uh 
And a lot of times I, when I get through writing that book and I publish that book, I'll put that playlist on Spotify. You can actually find something on Spotify. Yeah. Of some yeah, of the I, books. I've, I've done that for my series. I have a, I have a playlist of, uh, of mostly like folk music, bluegrass and stuff like that. That kind of really mm-hmm. hits on the, the themes. And I I have, you, you can go to my website and, you know, it's like, Hey, here's the link to the music of, of Howard Marsh. Yeah, uh, I think there's a, a playlist for Lil Ray, a playlist for Southern Born, and a playlist yeah. for, uh, I think, for Rocket City Blues. Yeah, I love it when authors that, do that. Uh, but that sounds that, you know, I feel like relate to to that book or relate to the theme of that book, and I'll just, and I'll listen to them as I write. Yeah. And they, you know, they kind of keep me going, kind of keep me pumping. Yeah. And, uh and at the end of it, I say, hey, this is a playlist I listened to while I was writing this book. And I say, if you want to check it out, check, go to Spotify. But yeah. yes, to me, you know, life is, you know, you know, life should have a soundtrack. It definitely should. It definitely yeah. should. Yeah. So, so uh, we already talked on, uh, about Wilbur Smith and Robert McCammon. I feel like those are kind of your author heroes. So I was, uh, uh, John Harkness is an author I look up to a lot. Uh, he's kind of my hero. And so uh, he always talks about how we should, as authors, we should always be uh, supporting other authors because no matter how quickly we write, we cannot write as fast as people read. So there's enough love to go around. So oh yeah, who, who is an author that you think we should be checking out that maybe we aren't? Oh, let's see. Oh, well, there's several I know of yeah. that. I've enjoyed reading, especially on the indie side. Uh, yeah. Uh, I, I've been reading more by Lucas Black. Uh, uh-huh. Here lately, I, I've been trying to finish it, but I've been so busy. Yeah. Uh, he, he's a great author. His books are well-written, also well-edited. Uh, he goes shameless plug. He's the same uh, editor I do. Uh, yeah. Patricia Thompson's. Uh, Great plot in that book, uh, and uh, it's called actually Indie Author. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I, I highly recommend. It's a great book. Uh, okay, I, uh, I hope to finish it here soon. But yeah, he well written book, great plot, keeps you moving. I love it. Uh, and uh, also Summer Lane, who's probably not as well known, she has a trilogy out. Uh, I think it's called Mercy, the Mercy Trilogy or Beyond Mercy or something. Great little little trilogies, not real uh, well known, but uh, actually, first book was fantastic. Actually, brought tears to my eyes. So, oh wow! Uh, that, that's I love, about as good I love an endorsement as you can get. Emotionally, like it, uh, but it's it's a great little book. Uh, but yeah. Lucas is also Southern. All he's from Texas. Uh, okay. Uh, so yeah, it's it's great, but. Those two I highly recommend. I'm trying to think of some others right offhand that I've read recently. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, those two, I, as, right. as far as the authors, I highly recommend reading. Uh, Summer started out as a poet and she's trim, has done a very nice job of, trim, of uh, uh, moving over it and, and becoming more of a novelist. I was really, yeah. really. Uh, it's, uh, it's definitely two very different skill sets. So it it's, is. It's, you know, it's nice I, to see when someone makes that. Make that jump. I have tried to write poetry. I just, I suck at it. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it's I, it's a totally it's a totally different it's a totally I different skill a, set. I have a whole whole high amount of respect for people who can write poetry. I admire it. It's kind of like writing music. If you can write poetry, you can write music. Yeah, you can write lyrics because I mean, it's you know, I've tried it. I've, I've yeah. actually wrote a few poems, but to just sit down and write a book of poetry. Man, no. you got my utmost yeah. Yeah, it, respect, buddy. I would definitely say that writing a poem is a lot closer to writing a song than writing it a novel. Is. That's for sure. Um, oh my gosh! Well, there's there's one. I read one. I like, but I told her I said reading your poem is just like I can hear the music. I almost hear the music in my head. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's like reading it, like this to a song to read you. To to me, that's that's an awesome compliment. Yeah. Oh yeah. But All right. yeah. Well, before before we get out of here, I gotta I gotta know about this cookie jar collection. Oh, <laughs> my cookie jars! Yeah. Lord, I lost count. They ran a hundred something. 
Yeah, I, I, um, I love I love cool collections. So I, I'm intrigued by this cookie jar. I guess not my 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 first bowl. Now I've had three. Yeah. <laughs> uh, maybe that's too much information. Nah, my first bowl nah. got me. We used to go to flea markets with her back yeah. back in the '80s, and she got me interested in collecting stuff like that, McCoy and Hull and stuff like that, and. Uh, she was big on collecting stuff like that back, and she got me interested. So somehow yeah. got me interested. And it's a funny. Here's a funny thing. I'm gonna tell you. Uh, <laughs> I used to, I used to ride work with this guy. He was like six two, three hundred pounds. Used to play college football. We, we, we played the college football. Yeah. And uh, we was talking one day and. You know, you got the mention. He said, uh, he said, I sent you cookie jars. He said, You got a nice cookie jar collection. He said, And he's for come find out, he did it too. And I'm looking at him like, You collect cookie jars? <laughs> you? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> come find out. A lot of people actually did, but yeah, I, I got them all over the house. I, I finally quit. I ran out of room to put them, so I finally quit. Uh, yeah. And people, People still give me a tube, and I'm like, please don't give me no more cookie jar. I have nowhere to put them. I can't, I, I've run out of room. Every room's got them. But, yeah, yeah. I, I, I try to count them all up. And I think I, 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 I keep losing count somewhere around 100, but I've yeah. got them all. all kind of, but, you know, they're the ones I like, are, you know, I collect them for like the old ones from the 50s, 40s, 50s, 60s, yeah. all way up to the 70s. And they're the old Companies you, that all out of business like Hull, yeah. Potter, uh, Hull, McCoy, Metlock stuff. They don't. They don't make these no more. You'll never. Yeah. You know, if you break one, that's it. Yeah. You do you have another a, one? Do you have a favorite? Oh yes, I do. I have several. My yeah. favorite is one my my wife gave me Christmas one year. It's a it's a Roy Rogers. Okay. Yeah. And uh, when I opened that up, I. I I'd always wanted it. Yeah. It, there was a limited edition run and Roy, before he died, he had actually signed a mold. Yeah. They cast a cookie jar in. And when I opened that up, I looked at it and I said, I knew how much it cost. I knew how much they were running on eBay. And I said, whatever you do, don't ever tell me how much you pay for this jar. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because I yeah. knew what they cost. Uh, yeah. But they were signed and limited number. They had the number on it and everything. And I was like, and I've got it actually in a a, a box on the wall. It's just, it's encased in glass. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah. yeah, so that's my favorite of all. Yeah. I love it. I love it. Well, all right. Uh, why don't you take a minute? Tell us where can we find uh, you and, and your books, like social media things like that. Well, I'm not a big social media. I'm on Facebook. Uh, you all got to do is look, all you got to do is type in J Morgan Woodall. You'll find me, friend me there on Facebook. I'm always looking for friends. I have a Facebook readers group on Facebook called Whiskey, J Morgan Woodall's Whiskey and Words. Nice. That's Whiskey with an E. Yeah. Uh, if you want to join, you're welcome to join. Just, just apply for, just, just, we, we take all comers, you know, just, and if you want to put in there, you know, you heard me on, on your podcast, that's even better. Yeah. We'd love, we'd love for anybody to join. Uh, it's not a big group. We can't keep it small because we like it intimate and we like everybody to stay active involved. Yeah. And, uh, I'm not on Twitter. I'm not, I just didn't do Twitter. I didn't enjoy Twitter. I yeah. No, I, I'm on uh, there. And I can tell you, I don't enjoy, I don't enjoy I, I it just, at all. I just never got it. It went over. What's his name? Talk about buying Elon Musk. Talk about taking it over. I, I just quit it. I just don't really care for him. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but uh, so mainly I'm on Facebook. And like I said, just send me a friend request. Tell me and tell me you heard me on your podcast. I'd really love to hear. Yeah, I would. You know. I would. I too would love love, love to. Uh, at the time that I'm recording, at the time that we're recording this, uh, only one episode has come out yet. So I'm hoping that by the time we get to this episode, that we have built up quite the following and a bunch of people come oh, in. Well, I, joined, I, has, 
by the way, I joined your group on Facebook too. Oh, good, 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 yes. good. Yeah, we have a we have a Southern Fried Fantasy uh, group. It's not not necessarily for the podcast. It's really just for all things Southern Southern Fried Fantasy. Um, but uh, it it is definitely <laughs> you will be getting Southern Fried Fantasy podcast content in there. I can assure you. <laughs> but yes, please, I would love. Uh, yes, please send me a gift yeah, if you hear me on here. You want to get. Get to know me. Send me a free request. Uh, all my books are on Amazon, on Kindle. You know, they're on that Kindle thing where they can't be on nothing but Kindle. Yeah. yeah. Call it. Uh, uh, Kindle Unlimited. Kindle Unlimited, yes. Uh, all you got to do is type in J. Morgan Woodall. I think I've got 12 books on there. Uh, yeah. And they range, they, like I say, they range all kinds of subjects from uh, vampires to sci-fi, space, fantasy to uh shapeshifters uh yeah you name it yeah they got paranormal sci-fi uh yeah i love it time travel romance you got it i, yeah. I, I like a little bit of everything so yeah I love if you it. like a little bit of everything check me out yeah all right well jay morgan what all i have to say it has been an absolute delight to have you on uh, it has been a pleasure. I've enjoyed good, it. Good, 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 good. And like I, I've been telling telling folks that uh, the plan is hopefully in about a year or so we'll uh, try and get you back on not a full like hour long episode, but maybe just a quick little check in, see if you've sure. got anything new. Uh, love it. All right. Well, uh, appreciate you coming on. About time, I'm working on a sequel to the Southern Born. Yeah. Maybe by that time I'll have it fixed. I don't know. Uh, but that'd be, I, that'd I, be great. I, maybe I will. Maybe you'll yeah. hear some good news on that. Yeah, good deal. Well, uh, everyone else that's out there listening, I appreciate y'all taking the time. And until next time, y'all be good now. Thank you for taking the time to check out another exciting episode of Southern Fried Fantasy. If you would, you know the drill. Give us a like, subscribe, follow, all that jazz. We'll appreciate you. Until next time, y'all. is part of the Tells by Bob network. To see all our great shows, go to tellsbybob.com.